able to put my head down, you know, through most of the fall and, and train. And, and it wasn't until like a few weeks before that I, it started to become like pretty real. I remember Andy Mason interviewed me and he was like on the phone telling me about all the other girls that were entered and that I was just like, wow, this is, yes, this is become a very competitive race. And of course that's what I wanted. Like I want to put myself in the mix, but it just was intimidating. And, and, you know, like I was going back to win and, and that was seemingly going to be more difficult than I may have initially thought. (laughs) Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 77 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Sarah Cummings running has been on fire of late and was named the number five 2021 ultra runner of the year by ultra running magazine after her stellar season. Her signature moment came at the JFK 50 miler against a stacked field where she scorched a 618 to win, running the third fastest time in the race's storied history. Sweet revenge for the year prior in her 50 mile debut at JFK where she and a small group made a wrong turn early before gamely battling all the way back to finish in second place behind ultra legend Camille Heron. Sarah's a two-time Olympic marathon trials qualifier with a 234 marathon PR, three times member of Team USA for the Road 50K twice and the Pan American Games in the marathon, an ultra marathon trail runner. In August of 2020, She took a two-week trip to Park City with her sister Marissa, which became permanent when she realized she had an undercover addiction to the mountains and sunshine. They connected with the Park City trail running community, who really helped them learn the trail system and expose them to mountain running. Sarah struggled at first, but was motivated to learn and improve, quickly becoming hooked on the views, exposure to nature, and the completely different feel in the trails. She had found home. We discuss her move to Park City, Grand Canyon reunion run, the idea to attempt the JFK 50 and not telling anyone, the 2020 and 2021 JFK races with her sister Marissa Crewing, the storybook ending, celebrating at JFK, signing with Brooks, coaching connection and approach with Hayden Hawks, hiking, poles, wildlife, safety, learning the ropes on the trails, her next big goal race, comrades, Competitive dry fire, where does it come from? Her toughest holes she's dug out of, her hamstring surgery, which ended up being a transformative experience and it changed her perspective on running. Coaching in the community, gaining new perspective and joy from her kids. And community mentorship, being treasurer of the board of Friends of Princeton Track. I'm stoked to follow Sarah's amazing running journey moving forward. I hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Sarah Cummings, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It looks like uh, you got some nice sunny weather going out there in Utah. I see some sunshine in the background. Yes, we're lucky to have a lot of sunny days here. So um, it's been, makes the winter a little bit easier. (laughs) 
live, live in that mountain sunshine life, which is a good life after the Jersey years, right? You're originally from Jersey, right? Yes. Yep. Originally from New Jersey, spent some high school years in California, then back to New Jersey for college. And then I lived in New York for New York city for about 10 years prior to, um, ending up out here. Yeah. So a little bouncing around, but fun and all uh, part of the journey and back home when you were in New York city and actually still today, you still run for New York athletic club, right? NYAC. And school was Princeton. Awesome. Uh, and you were part of that great running tradition there and had some amazing years, all American years running with the crew over there. And now the shift out to mountains, getting involved with trail running, having a huge year in 2021. So kind of some pretty big changes with your own running and, you know, life in general, you know, kind of what led to like the move out there and all of that. Yeah, definitely a lot of changes. Um, the move out here wasn't planned. Um, I um, was spending the early part of COVID. So the post-Olympic trials in March of 2020 or the last day of February 2020 um, was in, in New York City and then also in New Jersey a little bit. And um, I had grown up coming out here on ski trips with my family. And uh, my sister and I decided uh, to come out here for two weeks, um, in August of 2020. And I fell in love with the place and, uh, didn't leave. So still here about a year and a half later. Um, and you know, like the, the time in New York was amazing and, and pre COVID the, the running crew that I had was so special. And, um, all the, you know, friends and, and family there, but things changed, unfortunately, you know, because of the pandemic and, um, coming out here, like I said, was not a planned move, but one thing led to the next, I fell in love with the mountains and an awesome community here and, um, started coaching locally and couldn't leave. So, um, you know, I'd always been, a big snowboarder and the running out here is insane. Um, I quickly adopted trail running, um, upon my arrival because I couldn't get anyone to run on the roads with me for good reason. Um, because of all the amazing things you can see when you hit the trails. So yeah, um, it's been, it's been awesome. I still pinch myself cause it's, it's crazy that I'm, that I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, because it's so different, right? I mean, in, in every possible way. So you were going out there as a kid. You love the outdoor sports. I mean, I know you were a big ice skater, like really competitive ice skater. Uh, grew up, I think Michelle Kwan was your favorite, right? Um, yeah, so favorite, favorite athlete. So, so you grew up with that as your competitive sport. Um, and then also we're, we're into snowboarding, all of the mountain type stuff. So it's, it's kind of in a way a natural transition, um, but it would never have happened probably if it weren't for COVID. So it's interesting what all the negative things that we've suffered through and anxiety and separation from family and all these other things, there are positive things that come out of it too, because you probably would still be on the East coast, still in New York city, still grinding away, you know, in the financial markets, if you will, but because of being able able to work remote and be on a zoom screen like we are now, that's the, the upside, right? You take a, a trip out there and all of a sudden decide, you know what, I'm going to stay. 
Yeah. You know, it, it opened up my world to how other people spend their time and how, you know, you can, you know, really get outside here. Like you can't in the city and while running is, is my most favorite outdoor activity. I did discover so many other fun things to do outdoors and get my, you know, get in the mountains doing so. Um, it, yeah, it was, I couldn't, couldn't return. I'm, I, now that I know what it's like out here. <laughs> Great. So what's it been like getting settled in, like on the running side? Um, Cause obviously trail running is just so different in every way. I mean, you're at elevation um, just for basic starters, for the listeners from home that might be East coast people that aren't familiar with like mountain running, trail running community that are more marathoners or half marathoners, et cetera. You know, you're, it's a big adjustment for the body, right? What was it like at first just being on the trails um, connecting with nature, if you will, kind of really for the first time, other than maybe other times that you'd run trail running and just running at altitude. What was it like? Yeah. So just like taking a step back on, you know, how I alluded to coming out here, growing up on ski trips, um, and not really ever spending time out here in the summer. Um, because I was afraid of the altitude, I was really rigid in my marathon or half marathon training cycles. And, I didn't know anyone here and I, um, knew that, you know, with like a week, it would be really hard to, or, or even two weeks, which would have been hard to, you know, take off when I was working in Midtown, um, that the altitude would, would slap me down and I probably wouldn't get any, you know, material benefit from it because it'd be such a short period. So, um, you know, that definitely kept me from, from visiting, high altitude locations when I was road running. Um, and, um, what was immensely helpful was the fact coming here and transitioning to the altitude was, was not having races. Um, you know, during the, the first half of COVID, the COVID years or the first part of COVID, I guess we're still in it. Um, you, you know, everything was wiped off the calendar. Of course, there were some virtual races, but just having no timeline, um, the clock wasn't ticking. I could just get out there and run, enjoy the process and didn't really matter what pace I was running. Um, I could go by effort if I wanted to push myself a little bit more. And, um, the adjustment came organically, um, which was amazing. Um, and you know, in retrospect, I wish I had not been afraid to come out here because of how beautiful and amazing the running is. And, and now I know it would have been easy or, or I could have met people because I, I did, and, and I was welcomed by the amazing community, but, um, it's definitely intimidating to come up to altitude. And, um, then the trails are a whole nother story. I, um, my first trail experiences were not good ones. Like it was something that did not come naturally to me. Um, I didn't step on the trail for the first time and find this amazing flow state and be prancing over the rocks. The, the, um, trails in, in park city and Salt Lake city are quite technical by, um, you know, standards in the U S um, not compared to Europe, but, um, a lot of blood, <laughs> um, sweat and tears, um, early on. And I kept coming back because of the awesome people I met and, and, and the desire to meet more people, um, in the park city and Salt Lake city community who I just thought were so cool for getting after it, running up these mountains and, um, 
slowly, you know, increased my trail time from a weekend day to pretty much every day of the week. Cause once I, um, found my bearings a little bit and, um, was shown around by, um, people that I met, um, I just wanted to explore. And so I think that's something that, um, is so awesome and unique to trail running is this ability to, you know, plan these awesome routes and summit peaks and, you know, just go out on an adventure that totally changes the course of your, your day. Um, and that's, what's been so rewarding for me. That's fabulous. Um, and there's so much in there too. Um, cause as somebody with your running history and academics and all, I mean, you've always been an overachiever, you know, you've always been at the top, uh, made multiple, you know, Olympic trials, qualifiers, et cetera, run super fast times, won a lot of races. Um, so it's not an easy thing to show up in the trails and fall and be bleeding and have difficulty with technical trails. That's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing for anybody, but certain people acclimate to that a little bit quicker. You're also adjusting to not, you can't look at your watch. You can't be looking at your watch and thinking back to, I can run marathons at six minute pace per mile or under six minute pace per mile or way under six minute pace per mile and so much faster at shorter distances. It, it's just going to send all the wrong signals and you're going to process it wrong. So it's on this whole spiral of like, wow, I'm not good at this, or this isn't what I was expecting at all. So I think in a way it was a totally reframing of like the running process for you, like to realize like, Hey, I can't be worried about any of these things right now. And if I fall, I'll get up and hopefully I won't break any bones because, you know, spilling blood is okay. and makes for some great pictures on Instagram or wherever you post them, but it's really, we don't want to be like healing and not being able to run because we need it. It's an important part of you know, like how we live and how we breathe and, and, you know, just how we process stress and all of our emotions. So, um, it's really cool that you kind of figured that stuff out. It took a little while to figure out, but I think the community element is a thread to pull on for sure. Because, um, in road running, you know, when we're struggling or maybe not having the best of times, you know, we'll tend to go to a few good teammates that we train with or roll with, or maybe we lean on our coach or somebody that was somebody that's really important to us, maybe a mentor. And we work through the struggle. Is it an injury? Is it physical? Is it diet, nutrition? But, um, with ultra running in the community, it is an adventure. Um, every single day, it's not about running in Central Park every day where we're running the same six mile loop or five mile loop or four mile loop or venturing off onto the bridle to break things up or hit the east side or the west side. Like every day is an adventure. Is it an FKT thing? Are you do bagging peaks? Are you just out to enjoy nature and not care at all? Like you're going to be out for six, eight, maybe even like 12 hours. Um, so I think that part is like bringing this whole fun experience into your running along with like making all of these new connections. And, um, how much do you think that did for you? Like at that point coming out of COVID, all of the other stuff. And of course we're not really out of it. I just mean like the emotional connection, all of that. Yeah. It was like exactly what I felt like I needed for my running at the time that it happened. Um, I love running road marathons, but you know, anyone who's been through a marathon cycle once or, you know, 20 times knows that it can be quite repetitive. There's little margin for error, messing up a couple workouts could 
kind of throw things off or ha- force you to reset, you know, expectations. Um, you're worried about your legs feeling fresh and um, everything comes down to like how the weather is on that <laughs> race day. And, you know, it, it's so re- awesome when you have, when you have a, a fun group to train with and the process can be enjoyable. Um, and that, you know, I think that's crucial because you, the outcome on race day is, is, is never, you know, a guaranteed thing. Um, I think, you know, coming onto the trails, having a lot more, um, of my life count as training. And again, like it's not, I don't do everything with the the focus of it being a training activity, but, I just felt like I could embrace like all the exciting adventures and opportunities I had in Utah and also be, you know, um, increasing my fitness and abilities like in ultra trail type running, um, races. So kind of like the, the chance to just throw everything in terms of pace and time goals out the window and just like, really stay present in that day, in that moment, kind of just like the same as what we were forced to do, um, you know, with COVID it's just like hard to make plans more than a couple of days. And, and that's kind of something that I, I think that lesson was, I was able to translate to the trails and just, you really have to stay present in every mile. Cause like you said, you know, you can easily trip and fall and, and you're common and not looking at your watch. I think is a funny one too, because not only can you, not look at pace because right. There could be extreme amount of elevation gain or you're at altitude, but I've also had the experience of looking at my watch and falling um, while doing so. So another reminder, just not to look at your watch. Um, but yeah, like I think it came at a time, um, that couldn't have been more perfect. Um, it breathed new life into my running and, um, it just allowed me to, you know, see it in a whole new way. Love it. Um, I can hear the joy in your voice, by the way, um, <laughs> because it is, it's, um, it's super fulfilling. Um, and anytime we've done something really well for a long time, as you have with your running to kind of change gears in many, many ways, like not being focused on pace of every workout and tempo runs at this long runs at this fueling it's a different experience. It's breathing, man. It's connecting with nature. It's building new friendships um, and not knowing where you're going and trying to figure out, are you lost or not? Because that's always fun. And we'll, we'll get into that stuff later on. Um, but anybody can get lost out there. Um, anybody. Um, that's why the Barclays is such an adventure every year of people literally trying to finish and battle the weather and exhaustion and sleep deprivation. But um, I just think it's just a great time in your own running and your own life to pivot. You know, you've moved, you know, you're living a different lifestyle and you're out there in nature. And um, when you've had this exhaustive stress cycle after cycle after cycle, I think it's why it's very hard for runners to continue to succeed. And it just makes it more mind blowing when somebody like Kipchoge can do it over such a long period of time and just keep putting down like amazing results. Um, so the shift for you is just, I think it's just great because it's so much more fulfilling for you, not just in your running, but in life in general, right? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely will come back to road marathoning, but, um, I just, 
it's, it's, it's a little bit hard to run on the road and run, you know, cul-de-sac loops when I know I could be seeing things that like you can literally only see on foot. Like to me, that that's the coolest. Um, and so I'm just, there's so many runs and routes and things that I want to get after here, um, in the Wasatch, let alone all the other, you know, places. And so it's, it's so exciting to know there's so much to explore. Yeah. And isn't that what it's all about? It's new and it's fresh. Um, and while you're feeling that, um, you're going to continue to grow and it's important. And, you know, it's cool that you leave the door open because you should. I mean, look at what Kira D'Amato and some of these masters runners are doing. I know you know Roberta well, Roberta Groner. Um, it's just amazing to see, uh, particularly the masters women. Um, it's just something I pay attention to. I have a lot of women on the sport. I was raised by a single mom who's amazing, badass woman who's going to be 90. And uh, she's the toughest woman I've ever met, strongest woman I've ever met. And um, she always inspires my brothers, I and our whole extended family with just how she can power through anything, lymphoma, you know, COVID, whatever comes up, you know, she can just make her way through. But to see, you know, women's running period, track, track and field, cross country, national championships, world championships, things are really on the upswing. Um, and that's got to be motivational, right, for you with your own running, just seeing what's happening out there across all of these different platforms. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think like it, going back to the, what I had in New York City, just the most incredible group of women who were all so supportive of each other. It was um, a everyone wins game, <laughs> you know, not a zero sum game where we could all be improving and reaching our goals. Um, I love that kind of environment. And, um, you know, I think something like, it's, it's almost like more powerful, I think in, in the trail community, because there's such a learning curve and an access, um, not problem, but just issue. Um, I know for me, if I hadn't had an awesome group of women that I met in Park City that showed me the local trail system, patiently helped me, you know, learn it and and try to give me some directional guidance as I continue to get lost. Like I probably never would have, like I w- wouldn't have stepped foot, you know, on the trail the first time if I hadn't had someone to show me. And, you know, like the success is great. Yes. But also just like, taking that first step. Um, and there are awesome guys that will also, you know, show, um, people around local trail systems and community, but, um, yeah, I think the support that women show each other on the trail in particular, just in terms of getting started is so, um, amazing and and so necessary. And, I just think back to, you know, my experience in New York and the East coast. And, um, I would every so often take, uh, the Metro North and do some breakneck adventuring. But like, if I had had someone that like was really familiar with that area or just the trail scene in New York and showed me, like, I think maybe I could have found the joy that I have now with trail running and running in general sooner. So that's something that I think about a lot um, because I know like access is a huge kind of barrier. Um, so success is great. Yes. And I think it's so inspiring, but just, um, you know, the process um, and, and how people can you know get started in the activity 
at all is, is another, you know, kind of big thing. Huge thing. Um, we got to limit barriers and we got to make things more welcoming to all groups and all kinds of people. Cause if they don't see that representation out there, they're not going to feel like, Hey, is this a sport for me? You know, can I actually do this? Or, um, I'm afraid I'm tentative. I don't know. I get lost in real life. So what, it, what's it going to be like for me on a trail? And look, it's not something just to make fun of. It is fun to make fun of it for sure. Especially when I can get lost as easily as anyone else, or also make fun of falling and smashing yourself. Also fun to make fun of, but if that's if you were able to get up and get off the trail and get back to wherever your car is or wherever you got dropped off. I mean, you, it does require, you know, being serious about it. I mean, you could get lost out there and not have enough fuel, get injured, get hurt. Um, and that's why it's important to have, you know, trail mates to run with and people that know where you're going to be, if you're going to be out there for a long time. And just from a safety perspective, you know, those are different things that we don't really talk about as much with road running, although sadly, you know, women have to battle this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, they got to worry about, God forbid, being attacked on a run or somebody following them or stalking them on Strava. But with trail running, it's even more heightened. Um, so is that something that when you you were being taught the trail system and all, were they teaching you this kind of stuff? Because it's important that if you're learning it, of course, you're sharing it and you're also coaching, you know, so you're in the community, you know, doing run coaching yourself. Yes. So, I mean, I think, you know, when you were talking about not really having that in Central Park and you don't like, you know, you can like for the most part, you don't. Right. Like if you live near the park, you run out your door, you're like, I'm going to do this many miles. I know I'm going to be back by this time. It's all very like predictable and you're very much in control of the situation. And that's like entirely the opposite of what, you know, you have when you set out for a trail run. I think like you know, you touched a little bit on safety and, and falling. And then I think another thing out here in Utah, wildlife, um, is a big thing. And that was something that I learned, um, how to manage from the community. Um, I had never had like a interaction with a moose before moving here. And now that has a frequent occurrence and just knowing like what to do if you come up on one and come, come up on two and, um, again, like that's, you know, where you, um, if you're by yourself, like that could be a, a tricky situation. Um, the risk of injury is high and I've taken a number of falls, some more serious than others. And, um, been lucky to have, um, trail partners with me to help me, um, in those situations. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it just like, it requires more time, more planning, more, um, ability to go with the flow, which is something that like, I just didn't have in New York. Um, and so that's been a great, you know, learning for me, something that I'm grateful the trails have given me. Um, and maybe, you know, it, it's, it's, I was able to embrace it at, at this time in my life, but, um, I'm glad that, you know, eventually <laughs> I was able to, because although it might seem like such a hassle with the logistics and, you know, all of that. It's, it's so worth it. Yeah, it is. It's so much more planning, um, in terms of maybe who you're going to run with, if you're going to be out there for four five, six hours and fuel and food and, you know, maybe drop some stuff out there. However, you know, you're going to approach a day or take on a day, but there's so much more joy and just, 
like fulfillment of, you know, being out there in nature. And I'm glad you touched on the animals because I always think of Walmsley that you're a Western states where there was like a giant bear out there and he couldn't get by. Um, and eventually he was able to, but man, like I wouldn't know what to do. Um, so I would need a, I would need a class and then some, some instruction because my experience is more like running JFK a couple of times, uh, running up in the Rockies, you know, up in Westchester, um, which is not far um, and there's some really nice trails up there. Um, not as much of, you know, the wildlife like you're exposed to, obviously, in like Utah or Colorado, but still really nice running. And we still have Van Cortland. Van Cortland's still legendary. And you got to rock that, you know, during your Princeton years with the haps and everything. But different. I mean, sure, it's trails and it's dirt and there's some streams and there's elevation, but... It's not like looking at mountain peaks in the Wasatch or, you know, in the, uh, in Colorado. So it's just so different, um, like experientially. It is. It really is. It's hard to, hard to describe unless you've, you've witnessed it yourself. So. Yeah. So let's talk about your like first entry into ultra. Cause you know, obviously, you know, you've had amazing chapter, you know, running the roads, running in multiple marathon Olympic trials, teams, all of that kind of success. But, you know, you had just a year of all years in 2021, you know, where you ended up being ranked fifth in ultra runnings list, which is, you know, amazing, you know, considering you really just getting started. I mean, it's a remarkable transition for you. So talk a little about, um, you know, working with Hayden Hawks as a coach and, um, before we even get into coaching and then all the success and some of the specific races, like how did the actual transition start for you? Obviously you made the move, but kind of where did it start? Yeah. So I, um, had run my first technically first technical a technical ultra, I guess, um, a 50 K distance, uh, in 2016. And I would say just now, like I can, you know, now that I've had successful ultras, I can look back and say that my ultra career had a disastrous start. Um, I have ran my first 50 K in 2016, like I said, and that was at the world 50 K championships in Doha. Um, and I, in that race, I, um, tore my hamstring tendon off the bone. Um, and it had been an injury that was, you know, a, a 15 plus year battle with tendonitis in the hamstring. And, um, so it wasn't like a total shock, but the actual tear was an acute, um, tear slash rupture. And I, um, had surgery immediately upon <laughs> returning to the U S I did, I was able to finish the race somehow, but, um, my surgery that I had knocked me out for basically two years. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, the first ultra was, was terrible. My second, um, wasn't much better and it wasn't until, um, my third tried again, even though after the second, I, swore I was done, um, that I had a successful road 50 K. So that was my entrance into, um, the ultra space in the road 50 K, which now that I've, you know, experienced trail 50 Ks, trail 50 miles, like road 50 K is, is not, you know, the most glamorous or the most, um, enjoyable ultra distance, uh, event, but, um, I had the opportunity to run for team USA. So obviously that was something that, you know, I couldn't pass up and was so honored to do. So, um, yeah, the, the start to ultras was, was the road 50 K and, 
Um, the trail ultra, the first trail ultra that, that I did was JFK 50 mile in 2020. And that came about, um, there were a couple of, of catalysts there. So I had run, um, as a, a friend reunion and a socially distanced outdoor reunion, um, the rim to rim to rim in the grand Canyon with a group of New York city, um, gals that had kind of, you know, dispersed around the country. And we reunited in October of 2020 at the uh, South Rim of the Grand Canyon and did that crossing. And I suffered so much, but I, especially in the heat and the, the final climb back up to the South Rim, but I loved it so much. And, um, that was, that was mid-October of 2020. And I, I knew of JFK actually because of some great, um, New York based runners, um, Kate Pallady in particular, uh, I, I knew had, you know, crushed, won the race. Um, and I had, um, been running with her for a bit that year that she did win. Um, she had done the Hartford marathon as a training run. And so she was, you know, telling me all about the race and that was kind of the first I'd ever heard, but I was like fascinated by it. And, um, it kind of was, the seed was planted, I think in the back of my mind, even though it was dormant for many years. And so, after running, um, the 43 mile rim to rim to rim, um, in a month out from JFK 2020, this seed that was dormant kind of started to sprout. And I, um, texted Kate and I kind of like asked her what she thought, um, about me doing it. And she was like, Oh my gosh, this race is meant for you. I was like, Oh God. Okay. Um, and so at the time my sister was also living in DC, which seemed like another sign that I was like supposed to do this. And to top it off, I hadn't been back East since that two week vacation that I made on August 1st to park city that had turned into like a permanent situation. So I was like, I need to get clothes. I had like my two weeks worth of summer clothes and it was starting to get cold and I'd bought stuff, but you know, it was time to like figure my shit out. (laughs) So I decided to do that race. Marissa, my sister and and Kate, of course, and Miles Bennon was someone else that I, you know, another East coast ultra runner that I had spoken to because I knew he had done it and he was also super supportive. So there were like three people that knew that I was doing this. Um, and oh, plus Andy Mason, who I talked to J- awesome JFK staff, um, about getting in. And so no one, no one else knew about apart from the, the four people I just mentioned, um, and I flew out there and ran the JFK 50 mile 2020 got lost and managed to get back on track and have a pretty strong finish. And then called my parents, my sister afterwards and told them, even though I had sworn, I would never run another ultra after my initial disasters that I had just run a 50 mile race and everything was fine. Um, and now, <laughs> and you know, the rest is history. So that was that was the beginning, I'd say. That's beautiful. We got to we got to dig into a bunch of stuff on this. So first <laughs> off, the rim to rim to rim. That's great. Um, I have a good friend who's been on the show, Laura Swenson. Um, I don't even know how many times she's running, but that's like right where she lives. And she's invited me out there so many times. She's like, you have to come out and do a rim to rim to rim. So what a cool adventure. And I've seen the elevation profiles. I've seen some of those climbs are bananas because you're going down and then obviously you have to come back up. So um, again, um, a bonding experience 
experience, an awesome experience, but it's not like you killed it and said, oh man, let's do the ultra thing. And the Kate Powerty story is classic because I probably run more miles with Kate than literally anybody in the New York City area. Of course, I can't run any of her hard miles. Um, it's just the, the run in the run chat podcast. It was running with her all those miles where she was going to be on the show with me. She was going to be a co-host with me. And we just talk about, let's just talk like we talk about on our regular runs. Let's, you know, let's make the show about that. Let's just talk about life and whatever else is going on. But, um, yeah, she killed it. She won it in the year of the snow. And you're absolutely right. She went up to Hartford. So I know that whole history with her and she was building and, um, the same way no one knew that you were going to run, you know, she told me and her husband and only a handful of people, like she wasn't going to JFK to run the race. She was going there to win. Like she wanted to win the race. And that was like her goal. Um, so amazing that, you know, she was like giving you, you know, the push, you know, to go down there and do it. And what an experience you show them. You say you finished well, you got lost early in the race, you rally and you come back and you come in second place. I mean, I would hardly, you know, that's an amazing, amazing result. Um, incredible. And yeah, I mean, people get lost all the time. It was early, right? You had the issue. Um, you were with a small group, right? A couple of you were running together, right? Yes. I mean, it was at the, um, top the, the water tower. So at the top of the road climb, where you then go onto the Appalachian Trail, we went left instead of right and returned to the road climb. So some extra climbing thrown in there. Um, and I, I've said this before about that incident. Um, I often lead people astray when I am leading because I get lost easily. But in this case, I was following. So <laughs> who knows what would have happened? But um, yeah, it definitely, you know, I think it like it was a real mental, like, you know, mind F to do yes. that, that to happen so early on. But in some ways, it also just like removed a lot of pressure and not even pressure because like, there was no pressure, but it removed I don't know. It was just like, then, okay, we'll just see what happens. And, um, something unexpected that came from that was like the opportunity to chase people, which was funny. Cause like, you know, when you think of a 50 mile race, you don't think of like a race race, right? Like you like not, or at least I probably wouldn't have, I would have thought of it like, oh, this is like a marathon where like we do our pace plan and it isn't a race and we're just kind of like robots and like maybe we can outkick someone in the last mile, but like, you're not like racing like from the gun. And when I got lost there, um, I was just hunting down people and didn't like, yeah, I should have been ahead of them, but like, it was fun to just be catching people on the rail trail and that kind of like competitive kind of brought me back to that initial, like, you know, racing mindset that I feel like I'd gotten so far away from with these like formulaic marathon cycles and race and, you know, races. So, um, I never would have expected to get that out of like ultra distance running this, like, you know, kind of bringing you back to the initial, like, why you started to do this anyway was, you know, to compete and to race and not just to, you know, stick to your plan. So obviously I had come 
had diverged from the plan by getting lost. <laughs> yeah. And getting lost that early too, like you said. So the top of there where you're supposed to jump on there to the right, you're going left. And yeah, I mean, my God, I got lost in my first ultra too. And another fun Kate story, um, you know, she told me if I didn't finish the race, don't come back and don't ever message her to do another run. And she goes, unless <laughs> like you get eaten by an animal or you have like bones sticking out, she goes, you finish your 50 miles. So I got lost horribly horribly, horribly lost, um, up in Ithaca, a 50 miler up there. And I had to beg the race director to let him to let me go back out. Cause it was like a loop two course. And he did. And he just made me promise him that I would turn around when they turned me around. Cause it'd be dangerous, you know, with the cliffs and the falls so that I could literally die. Um, so I did. And, um, in true fashion of being afraid of Kate, because most of us are, um, she told me I had to finish. So I ran around in the parking lot for like the last seven miles to get to 50 miles to finish. It wasn't official, um, but I did do it. Um, so anybody can get lost. Um, it's how we respond um, to the loss. And for you to come back and be that far behind. And now you have to run the technical piece of the race. You know, the AT is technical, it's single track, and there's a lot of rocks and tree stumps and all kinds of things that could take you out. Um, so you were feeding off passing them there. And then when you get to the main, you know, road part, you know, it's 26.4, you know, on the gravel trail there, that had to be great, right? I mean, to be able to get back into rhythm and I mean, how far back were you when you got to that point in the race? Did you even know like where you were place-wise or are you just running on feel and just like feeling good about it and just picking people off? Yeah, I was just running by feel and picking people off. And I mean, running by the feel of someone who'd never run a 50 mile race. So like whatever, what I thought that <laughs> should have been. Um, but maybe like 20th, place was 25 like in terms of for the women when when did get back on track and then um honestly I'm not not totally sure I um had my sister there crewing and she was amazing and is amazing and crewed me to my win this year and she like did not want to hear anything about like what had happened so she she may have known what place I was in but like I approached her to change my shoes at 27, which was where you could in the COVID year. And I started to like tell her what happened and she was just like not having it. She's just like, keep going. I don't care. <laughs> so it would, then it was just like, okay, well, she doesn't care. She's the only one here that I know. And pretty much the only one that knows that I'm doing this. So, um, I'm just going to like pretend it didn't happen. And, and yeah, so very grateful for her for not letting me, you know, dwell on that. And, she didn't validate me in that sense. So <laughs> moving forward. Sorry, sis, bringing the tough love, man. You got to oh, yeah. love it, man. Yep. You know, yep. you, that's it, man. I don't want to hear about it. Just go. So you do the shoe change later that year. Um, so you where by the time you get to the roads, there's about eight or eight and a half miles left. Where were you at that point after running, you know, a little bit more than a marathon? I think, I think it's 26.4 um, that you run along the Potomac there. Where were you? Do you know where you were at that point? Yeah, I was in third. Then I knew I was in third. And um, I was like content, I think, then. I was like, okay, like you got lost and now you're on the podium. Like, you know, just telling myself like it's okay. Like, you know, because at that point, if you're 42 miles in and I guess I was like 40, 
four miles in, right? Because I had run the extra two to two and a half miles that just to hold that spot and that would be, you know, good. Um, and and I still didn't know like what might happen to my body in that last eight miles because, you know, entering very new territory at that point. Um, I'd done the Grand Canyon, but that's very different. Like it, it's obviously like, a you know, it's a lot of distance, but the vert is different in the terrain and all that. So, um, but I was, I think I was, I was still pushing. And I remember that year I was trying to keep it under seven thirty. I was like, just, you know, keep it under seven thirty um, per mile. And with about three or four to go, I saw, I think it was, must've been like three to go. I saw an, another girl, which like blew my mind. And, um, then I, you know, you have that moment of like, cause I knew I had some gas in the tank, but just as I was approaching her and after I saw her, like kind of my mind starts like, um, spinning, like what's my strategy here? Like, am I just going to like, you know, make a strong move or am I going to, do I want to like stay on her shoulder for a while? Um, but I ultimately just ended up kind of making a, a strong pass and then, um, picking up her bike rider, um, the cyclist for the second place woman. Um, and he actually, I know we're skipping ahead, but he, he was my cyclist for this year. So he was in charge of the lead woman this year, which was awesome to, um, have the same, same awesome volunteer again. So, yeah. And then I just kind of was like running all, giving it all I had had no idea. Like if she had anything left or was able to close anymore and, um, and jump in second. So, wow, that is so cool. Um, yeah. And every single runner, when you come up on somebody, you're already on the podium, as you said, so beautifully, you know, which is just remarkable for a first time experience. But, you know, do you, do you gun it? Do you just like say, Hey, how's, how's your, how you feeling and chat with them a little, or you try to do something half-assed, man. So you, you went for it and good for you because if you didn't, who knows, you, you might've been like slugging it out, you know, for second place, but you broke free. Um, and you met the cyclist who ended up being your escort for winning the next year, which is uh, truly epic, which we'll get into that race as well. But um, coming across, I mean, what, I mean, that's like your first big experience. I mean, it had to feel like amazing because it is a really cool little finish area. I mean, the lights are on. Well, the lights wouldn't be on when you're finishing because it's still daylight. Um, but they keep the lights on and Mike's on the microphone, Mike Spindler, the race director and all. Like, what did it feel like coming in? I mean, were you like totally stoked, like feeling like, holy crap? Or what was it feeling like coming across? That'd feel pretty special, right? Yeah, I mean, it I think disbelief, like I heard my sister about like a hundred meters, like I knew she would from the finish, I knew she would go crazy when she saw me and like crest that last, like, it's not really a hill, but like after the last intersection, then you're kind of, I guess it is a, a little, it's hill. a hill. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, all of it like just was kind of surreal because it had transpired so quickly and, for whatever reason, I felt so sure about doing it and, um, like that it was like meant to be. And so, um, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, I think there, there were definitely also like a, a few conflicting emotions about it being still in the thick of COVID. And 
I had traveled for the race and, and, you know, those sorts of, of thoughts and, and JFK that year had gotten some flack for having the race at all. So that was tough. Um, but, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And, and I, um, felt like good enough after and was able to like refuel and rehydrate to, to celebrate that night, which was like totally unexpected as well, because I've been like on, you know, laying on the floor on a bed (laughs) couch, like post marathon. And so just like the whole day was, was so special. That's awesome. Um, what a great, what a great buzz. I can hear the energy, you know, talking about it. And it's so cool that you had your sister. Um, so she, she doled out the tough love when needed, but she was there to rally and be a, a huge supporter for you coming in. I mean, she had to be like stoked to be like, wow, she's coming in second because, you know, you were so far back at certain points. And even though you had closed it down quite a bit, um, that's just that's such a huge result and a, a super cool uh, sister bonding experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she, like I said, like I alluded to, she crewed me this year and we just have like such a, you know, seamless dynamic and her knowing what I need. And like, she's so great. She's the one that like, doesn't get lost. So, (laughs) um, you know, always where, you know, she's planning to be in with like giving me everything I need. And, and we really have the shoe changes and all that down to, you know, a science. So, yeah. Nice. Well, do we want to just roll right into this year where you had the chance to go back and have the big breakthrough? Because it's, you know, you only can go from second place to first place if you're going to improve. And uh, not only to, you know, improve, but the time that you put up is like one of the best in uh, JFK history, I think third fastest. So do you want to just roll with that and go through there? And then we can, we'll obviously can talk about some of your other races as well. Yeah. So, um, we briefly talked about Hayden, who is my coach now. He wasn't at the time, but he, in 2020, he won and set the course record that is still a course record. And, um, I started working with him in March of 2021 when I decided that if I was going to be spending time in the trails, that I really wanted to, you know, do it right and set myself up to, um, be successful. And I, like I mentioned, have great community support, but a lot of, you know, my, um, trail running, um, friends also have coaches that are focused on, you know, trail running. So trail mountain running. So I, um, started working with him and, and he's run so many races that I hope to run. And he's had an insane amount of success and, obviously JFK, which was kind of like the elephant in the room in some ways, because like, it wasn't like I finished the race. And when I got second, it was like, okay, I'm definitely coming back. Like it was in the back of my mind, but also like still like scary to think about going back because I think it's so helpful to in trail running, to know the courses that you're racing on. Um, that's such an advantage, but also like you know, the courses you're racing on and anyone that's run the marathon plus on the towpath by themselves, which is what happens in a race like JFK, you're by yourself. I, I, you rarely see people running together out there. That's a long time (laughs) for your head to go places. And so just kind of knowing what I would be getting myself into, um, 
And what you mentioned before is like, yeah, if you go back, then you want to win and I can control my performance, but I can't control what anyone else does. So that's not necessarily in my control. To win. <laughs> so, um, there were, there were times where I, I wasn't, you know, set on doing it, but I think maybe like it was, it was just always, always there. And, and it, where, when it happens like that time of year, there aren't a ton of other competing races. It's not like June, July, August, where, um, where like every weekend there's something else that, you know, could, could steal your attention. Um, so, um, it started to become more of a, a thing or a, like a defined part of my race schedule. Um, when I, um, started working with Brooks who, um, took the sponsorship for the race, um, over this year and they have a multi-year deal or, or sorry, last year, 2021. And so I'd been, um, in talks with Brooks about, um, a sponsorship and then they, um, sponsor the race and, um, obviously hoping for their athletes to run the race. And, um, they weren't, you know, (laughs) pushing me to do it, but obviously there was a great backdrop of support to do it. And so, um, it became, you know, like a big focus and it became, it became the goal. And, um, I was able to put my head down, you know, through most of the fall and, and train. And, you know, like I said before, knowing what the course was like, I was able to do a lot of like simulation long runs here in park city. Cause there's a mix of terrain that's similar to, that I can link up together. That's similar to what you experience on the AT and then the CNO. Um, and yeah. And then, so, you know, just kind of plugging along in the winter or sorry, in the fall. And it wasn't until like a few weeks before that I, it started to become like pretty real. I remember Andy Mason interviewed me and he was like on the phone telling me about all the other girls that were entered and that I was just like, wow, this is, yes, this is, become a very competitive race. And of course that's what I wanted. Like I want to put myself in the mix, but it just was intimidating. And, and, you know, like I was going back to win and, and that was seemingly going to be more difficult than I may have initially thought. (laughs) So, um, I don't love to, you know, read up my competition or know really who's running, I think I do best and I just go out and do my thing, but it was kind of hard to ignore all that when I, you know, had been written up as a favorite and, you know, top returner, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of a mess, I would say going into it and my poor sister having to deal with me, but, you know, once the gun went off and the race started on the very cold morning, um, that was kind of, you know, the, the biggest relief just to, just to start the dang thing. So, um, then I would say like the race itself was pretty boring compared to the prior year. Um, in a good way though. Um, the AT section, I stayed on my feet, which is, was my goal. I ran it, um, hoping to just come off it, like feeling like I hadn't run that day. That was kind of like my, my goal. I wanted to find some random guys just to chatter along with and, run like a little pack and, you know, pretend they were like my, my buddies in Utah and we were just out for a day and then, um, getting off the AT, um, I was in, I believe I was in fifth coming off the AT. Yeah. Um, which was like, fine. Like I didn't, I, it could have been better. It could have been worse. Like, 
um, I, I felt like comfortable with that, you know, position. And, um, my sister met me and we had a, a seamless shoe change, change from, um, Brooks catamount that I was wearing into the Brooks Hyperion carbon plated shoe, which is like typical for most people. They, that run JFK, they change shoes into like a carbon plated shoe at that point. Um, and then I kind of just settled in and was running or in like the six forty fives pretty much for the next 35 miles. I had a, what I potentially, well, it seemed like a, a small challenge coming off the tow path. Um, Sarah Beal, who ended up in second, who was fourth coming off the AT that I'd passed her like 20 miles before I saw she was, you know, when you, anyone that's run, it knows you make a hairpin turn off the AT up a road Hill, and then you're on the road the rest of the way. And when I turned, I saw her and I was flabbergasted <laughs> because I, you know, was, was ready to settle a little the last road section. Um, and then when I saw her, I just like pedaled to the metal with everything I had took another couple of gels and was like, just need to run like hell. And my bicycle friend, even though we were friends, he's very rule abiding and he does not tell me how far back she was there. The bicycle, um, support are not allowed to say. So I had no idea if she was like closing on me. Um, and then, you know, probably wasn't until like the last mile that I was like, okay, I think I have this, but for a while there on the road, I was not sure. Great description. I love when, when the guests can take us out there onto the race. Cause it was a cold morning. It was very cold. Um, and obviously you knew you were making a right turn this time, you know, to dump onto the AT and it, there were a lot of injuries this year specifically. I think I th six or eight people I saw get carried off and a bunch of them were elites. So it can happen to an elite runner. It can happen to uh, a weekend, uh, ultra runner or marathoner. Um, so, you know, you had to be a little bit more careful, um, and you came out in a good place. Did you have any close calls, man? Cause I know I had a couple where I almost went down. <laughs> no, I didn't. But like, there was someone that, you know, I was mentioning that I ran with a group of guys, um, and someone that was like, not the person right behind me, but the person two behind me. I don't know if you saw him, but he fell on his face and broke his nose. And I heard that. And then I saw him when we like went, descended the switchbacks down. I forget what those are called. Um, to the, the canal path. I saw his like face and I was like, Oh my God, get me off this. <laughs> and I never want to be back here again. No, I mean, that was just like in the moment. But, um, I remember also hearing like early on when I was getting passed by a group of another group of guys that an older gentleman was like, yeah, you know what they call the section? It's dinosaur teeth. I was like, great. That is exactly what these are. There's like no, there's like no line to follow. Like, it's just like the pointy rocks, you know? Um, so I didn't have any close calls luckily, but, um, I know a lot of people didn't make it. Yeah. I, a couple other girls. Yeah. Had ankle debacles. Yeah. So yeah, I, that's kind of, you know, like how it goes. And so, yeah, to be grateful to make it, make it off there healthy. And that was like my, that was my focus. 
Yeah, it's key. I mean, you got to be get through. You might have some falls order, but to get to Weaverton, you do your shoe change there. I'm assuming last year with your sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know you get onto the towpath, and you know you're blitzing it, man. You're running really fast, so you're go- you went from fifth to first. Um, but you did not expect. I love how you mentioned that. So you're not expecting at all to see her that close now when you're turning onto that road and you're right, man, it's a straight up hill. Well, you, you run a little bit down the road and then you turn left and you go up a big hill there. And, you know, then you're on the roads for like the last 8.4 or whatever. So put a little shock into your system, scare the shit out of you, um, throw a couple of gels in and you drop the hammer and, you know, who knows, maybe that's just what you needed because if you had stayed where you were, stayed at the pace you were, the effort you were running at, you know, she might've gotten more confidence and she might've been able to close the gap. You just never know. So maybe that was a, maybe strategically, um, it just really worked out, you know, that you were able to press there and push. Yeah. And And then like, I wasn't, I didn't know the time was in like the context of top times either, because you just don't really know until that, the end, I guess I could have like done some calculations. Um, but yeah, having her on my tail and she ran an incredible time as well, just pushed, you know, us to, to faster times, not just, you know, the place. So huge plus. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's how the faster times end up happening at Western or any of these great venues that, have races with long traditions because it's the competitors that are pushing from the back. And it's also super cool to know, um, you know, that a young volunteer, a kid on a bike is respecting that tradition because, you know, he could be telling you, oh, she's 21 seconds back. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's keeping your anxiety or your fear level high and who, and again, in a way, maybe helping you press and push even harder through those spots where there might've been a tendency to just relax and let up a little bit and just be like, yeah, okay. Was not, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I mean, I, I, I did ask some police officers that were on the course if they could, <laughs> yeah. they could help me tell me, but they were not expecting me to be like talking to them. Yeah. So the reaction time was not, in time. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you need some more scouts down there the next yeah. time if you if you go back again. But um so coming up that road, that final road which you've now been on twice now, what was that feeling like? You know, cuz you make that left and then you just come up the road and then it is a hill, you know, however long it is there that you get to come in and finish and I'm sure the PA Mike was already on the microphone picking it up, you know, making some announcements with you coming in, but what was that like? incredible emotions and feeling. What was it like for you, you know, coming in? It it was funny because it was like so similar to the year before, except like I was just most excited to like see here and see and hear my sister and her reaction. And like, she was like in the same place doing the same, like screaming when she saw me. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was like, I I didn't really, I think because on that road section, I kind of was like, I went from, you know, like running, feeling like really good. And like knowing, you know, I, I took the lead at 35 and there was like a long time just kind of chugging along and, um, great support along the way. And then that last road section, I was running so scared. And so like, I don't think I was like, knew I like had it until I really like crossed the line. And so that was like a different, you know, experience than, than the year prior, even though like year prior was in second, but, um, so I was just really relieved too. Um, cause like, you know, being chased is, 
scary. And um, it the Brooks team was there, which was so awesome. And um, yeah, Mike was great. We did a little interview. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, you know, everything that I could have hoped, um, and more because like I hadn't been, I didn't know the times. I don't think I, I didn't know what the record was and, and how that time fared. And so to run that time as well, like the math I was doing in my head, I don't think I realized that that was like, you know, in reach. So everything was, was awesome. Yeah. I mean, on so many other levels, I mean, to share with your sister again, amazing, but Brooks picking up the sponsorship, um, and then picking you up as an athlete. So there's that, you know, heightened bonus, um, for them to have one of their athletes there, you know, kicking ass and, and, you know, six eighteen is crazy on that course. I mean, that's, that's super, super fast time. I mean, unbelievable, uh, time and, you know, just amazing. You know, you came through. I mean, I, I, it's very few times in life when people have something like that happen where they come second um, and they're close to something and then they get a chance to go back. Like the story doesn't ever end <laughs> that way. Yeah, it's usually like something else goes wrong or you take a right. fall and, you know, it's it's the opposite. So um, to put it together and to come back and run so much faster and to win is uh, really remarkable. Yeah, it was definitely a storybook. And I forgot to add that doing the whole like song and dance in the, in the high school gym, which was like also something that I'd like heard about with JFK, but we hadn't gotten to do the COVID year. That was really fun. And I had friends that were also running the race and some friends that came to spectate. So just to be able to like hang out with people and not be like rushed away, which was, you know, part of the COVID precautions the year before that was all just like part of the very like, you know, historic JFK experience. So it, it was perfect. Like I, yeah, it's still pretty crazy that it all, you know, came together, like you said, because so many things can happen like in running and then let alone add in like trail and all that. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> yeah. And then you factor in, you, you said the pressure, which you wouldn't maybe necessarily put on yourself, but Andy is terrific writer. He's a huge part of Mike's race team and, you know, working for the paper and in the community. And they're also tight in the community, Mike and all of his team and the people. Um, it makes that race special, man. It, it's uh, It's crazy that I've only run it twice and I feel similarly to Boston where I've run it 10 times or New York 10 times. And I have that family community feeling that the race has. And I'm so happy for you that the gym experience came back. Like when Kate won that she got to have that experience because, you know, as such a close friend, she's a no frills person. She's always going to deflect and make it like, it's not a big deal. Her trophy is like, it was in the basement of their lake house. And I found it when I went to get an extra blanket, <laughs> when I was staying over, I'm like, Kate, this is the most beautiful. Yeah. She's like, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. Her. And I'm like, you know, but, you know, when she won, her husband threw a party for her and only, you know, the yes, closest friends yeah. came mm -hmm. and, you know, we got to celebrate and, you know, I hope you got to do something. I mean, obviously you and your sister shared these two experiences, you know, coming so close, but still having an amazing first time, second place finish and then winning. I hope you got a chance to celebrate that outside of like with the JFK family, because it's a huge deal to win a race like that. Yeah, we did. Yep. And, um, I do remember the, the Kate's party too. I, I didn't make it to that, but I remember talking to her husband about it. Um, and yeah, um, 
definitely lots of celebrations. It's kind of like the perfect timing, you know, because you roll right into like Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's like an ongoing celebration. <laughs> yeah. Great. So um, fueling wise, what do you use for fueling when you're out there? What do you, what's your strategy and your go-to stuff that you're using for an ultra? Yeah. So that's definitely been like learning experience for me. Um, something that is pretty different than, um, you know, on the roads. And now that I have had experience on the trails, like I think I, you know, look back on the way I fuel during road marathons and I'm like, Oh, like probably could have been better, but stomach wasn't trained, you know? And I think that's something that I've realized too. Like you, people say you have to train your stomach, but you really do. And I've, trained my stomach over the the past couple of years now, and I can consume a lot more and that's been hugely beneficial to my performances. So, um, spring energy is, um, a supporter and they are my main, um, source of fuel during, um, all my races. And, um, during JFK, I was eating a little bit less on the trail just because, you know, it's tricky to eat while not falling and, also probably be holding a water bottle. <laughs> um, but once I got on the trail, it was pretty much just like a machine with, um, having a gel every 30 or so minutes. And I also enjoy having hard candy. So I have that as well, um, along the way, just to kind of make me happy. Um, but lots of gels. And then I did, they have like an oatmeal, um, like a fruit oatmeal, um, gel. It's not really like a gel, but it's, um, more of like a, a meal of sorts. I had that on the road. That was kind of like, we were talking about before. I'm like, I just need to pull out all the stops. And so I was like, there's like this 300 calorie, it's called a wolf pack, um, after Kelly Wolf. And I just try to get that down. I'm like, well, here we go. So now or never. <laughs> so yeah. Um, spring energy has been great for me. Awesome. Yeah. I think they have a huge lockup in the ultra community, you know, cause it's vegan and healthy and whole, whole foods and, you know, not, no junk in there. Um, and so many, uh, of the ultra athletes I talk to are using it. So I probably should give it a try at some point. Um, but I'm not doing that many ultras myself. So when I do, I kind of just come up with a plan <laughs> loosely. Um, and you're so right about training your gut. Um, and what about drink? Um, you know, you're, you're carrying, I'm sure handhelds or something, but what are you using on the drink side? Yeah. So on the drinks, I, um, I'm sponsored by ultra Spires, the local Utah hydration pack and water bottle brand. And, um, I had such a hard time, um, adapting to like holding bottles and then wearing hydration packs. Cause like in central park, you know, you don't need to, and any little extra thing that like weighed me down, it's like, I can't deal with this. Like I would set out with like non disposable water bottles, like the handheld ones. And I would like for long runs in New York and I would end up recycling them because I was like, I cannot, and they're not meant to be recycled. Like they're meant to be used. <laughs> like I can't hold this anymore. Like hopefully someone else enjoys this bottle because I I'm done with it. Um, and so I finally, yeah, found like a good, good brand there. Um, but in terms of what I put in, um, I use precision hydration. Um, it's like, a electrolyte, um, I'm a really salty sweater. So I use a high, high salt concentrate pH blend that they have. And 
um, my fueling has evolved and progressed much more than my hydration that I still need to work on drinking more. Um, cause I've gotten myself into situations because of that, but, um, yeah, work in progress. Um, but I would, I had the handheld and I passed off every time I saw my sister, she would give me a fresh one. So we had, that was our system. So you were trading one bottle, mm-hmm. one handheld. Yeah. And, um, have you ever done a salt test? No, I need to. I yeah. can't believe I haven't. It's yeah. ridiculous. But yes, I, that's, I should write it on my to-do list after this. I like it. It's Put it on to- there like somewhere really far back in like the archives. <laughs> yeah. Move that up in your order. I haven't, but Steph um, Flippin talked about it a lot. And, you know, you talked about being a salty sweater. I'm a salty sweater. So I do know, but you know, we all, we all say that, but how much and how much do we weigh and how long are we out there for and what paces are we running? And, um, you know, having it done for her, she said was a game changer and made a big difference for her. And she's focused a lot more on hundred mile distances, but still whatever the distance, 50, 100K, 100 miles, whatever, um, it could really affect or impact your performance. So that would be a good thing to throw onto the list for sure. Um, and, you know, going, stepping back on the coaching side, you know, working with Hayden, um, obviously you put some plans together and you talked about simulation stuff that you did before JFK, but like, what other things did you guys just like starting with a kind of a clean slate? Cause really you started working with him in like 2021, you said, right? Was it March, 2021? You said you started working together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what did you like map out? What was that like in the beginning? What's it like now? Cause obviously you're having some amazing success. Um, what do you, what do you think have been the big keys? Yeah. So, I mean, I had no concept of vert vertical gain, um, like what was, um, reasonable for a day, for a week, what I should, how I should target, you know, vert on each run. And that's like kind of what we were talking about earlier where you're not really looking at your watch and it's more focused, like in terms of, um, pace, like rather than pace to, you know, have a sense of, of the pace relative to the vert and, um, some runs, you know, might be more hikes and you're just trying to get in that climbing. Um, so we really tried to add in that cause I wasn't doing much at all, obviously like running it altitude is helpful, but just getting my legs more callous and accustomed to climbing. It's a big area of improvement. Um, spending time on the trail, um, because muscle memory and footwork are so, you know, important and just becoming more experienced and knowing how to see a line and follow it and not end up supermanning, which still will happen and still does happen, but hopefully less frequently. Um, and then, um, And then the other thing that we were really focused on was me um, getting more familiar with effort. Um, That was something that I had little concept of through my marathon training um, because the paces were so prescriptive and just very much like marathon pace. And that's what it is. And like, I ran a lot of like flat. I mean, this is going to be like, insulting say, but like New York, Boston, Boston's a flat course. Like if you compare it to, you know, um, anything. So yeah. So a lot of like flat races where like your pace might change by like 10 seconds, not like three minutes, right. Or five, depending on like an incline that you're going up or 10 even. So I had a lot of learning to do when it came to like adjusting my effort, um, and so much of our workouts were fartlek 
type or um, by minutes versus by, you know, run an 800 at 545 pace. And I'm like, okay, like a robot, I will do that. <laughs> um, so I'm, that's still a work in progress for me, but something that's so essential, I think for um, success in the trails um, because pace means nothing. So um, we're still, you know, working on that and, um, similar, you know, mileage I'd say, which I've always been on the higher side, but, um, it ends up being a lot more time when you're doing it on trails. Yeah, for sure. Um, a question too, cause I know it's something I came up against, which I just wasn't used to. I mean, I've never walked on a road marathon or a course, no matter how steep anything is. So it, some of it is ego, but in trail, there's plenty of times when people are walking, um, depending on course profile. And it's crazy. Like UTMB and some of these courses are, you know, first off, you can go off a cliff, I mean, number one. Yeah. So I'm probably going to be staying away from some of those myself. But for you, was that something like of an adjustment, like at times like, you know, hey, you know, maybe this isn't a really a runnable section based on the course or, or do you just figure it out while you're out there again, because you're doing more of this effort-based stuff? It was definitely an adjustment, but I had um, like guidance in learning how to do it, like, um, following, um, my awesome trail sisters, <laughs> um, and just doing a lot of following, um, running behind people, you know, you quickly learn when they switch to hiking and checking in with myself and be like, okay, this is how I feel this is how I feel right now. And remembering that, like, you know, for it, it, when it comes up again. So I think like, but even still, like I remember the first time I hiked in a race and there's still like this road runners, like mentality or fear in the back of your head. Like if you walk, it is all over you just throw in the towel, forget it. <laughs> You know, like that, I mean, at least that's kind of like what I would ever have thought about walking in a road race. And so it's still a little scary to do it for the first time in a, even if you know for sure that you should be power hiking because you've done it in training and you've done it in work, you know, like time and time again, it's still like doing it for that first time and then survive and probably still run really great. So yeah, that was a learning curve, but I kind of, I I'm big, I always loved hiking and I do a lot of hiking now. It's kind of, you know, supplements to training and just because I love to be outside. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's like pretty organic, I'd say, but not at first. Yeah. It's great perspective. Cause if you're able to win races and have, um, and have that kind of success and you're willing to accept that you're going to have to hike sections. Um, it's just, just good to hear it. Um, and I appreciate you being open about it because there's just some of these parts of these courses there, you know, even if they are, look, I'm not a really good technical downhill runner anyway. And look, I'm 61, man. I'm not really into breaking any more bones at this point. Um, I don't mind shedding some blood because it makes for some good photos, but, um, you got to be careful, man. And there's points where you're just better off. I mean, you're going to use as much energy hiking, you're probably going to be almost the same pace, maybe even as close to the same pace that you'd be with running, where running is going to cost you 30%, maybe 40% more energy. Um, and mentally, it's going to drain you more um, in terms of like physically resources, all of it. So cool, cool to know that. Um, and fun that you had to figure that piece out like everything else and polls and all that. Did that take a long time? Had to figure that stuff out? So I haven't done any races 
that were required pulls, but I do practice with them, um, depending on the run. And, and when I was coming back from an injury last year, I kind of needed them just to help me ambulate. (laughs) So I got, you know, into that and it is like a little bit of a dance, like learning how to do it. But I think it, it, it's fun and the way you can, you know, especially using them to go downhill, which isn't always like the way that you would think to use them. But, um, yeah, uh, the poles are a learning curve and like all the other things I've talked about in this podcast, I have people that have been gracious enough to teach me and, um, it's just something, one other thing to get better at. And so I'm excited to to keep at it with the polls. <laughs> hey, we all, we all can grow and improve for sure. And it's also another great uh, thing with you working with Hayden, because, you know, he's got a lot of experience doing UTMB and a lot of those other European races, which tend to be way more technical. Um, the mountains are just, they don't match up to any of our mountains, the type of courses that are there, the only way to really get familiar and acclimate and run better. And I think that's why I'd love to see, I know Wamsley has a real interest in wanting to win that race one day. Hayden and these guys want to show up and do better over there or perform better than maybe um, some of the American runners have that have gone over there and run. So maybe that'll be one of those things you'll, uh, you'll tackle in the future. Does it, is it something you're interested in? I mean, those, the races that are over there, cause they're, they seem to be just epic following them and watching them. Yes, I would love to. I definitely have a lot, um, that I still need to learn and improve on and, um, work up to, but it definitely on my list. Cool. So in that big 2021 year, we ended up ranked fifth beside your big JFK win. Do you have another race that was like super awesome? That was like a breakthrough, if you will, that contributed to your super high ranking that you want to talk through at all? You know, I, I did race a ton, which in retrospect, maybe was a little bit too much, but, um, it was so fun and it was such an epic year. I, um, I raced three fifty miles milers, which is a lot. Um, it, now thinking back to my, like, you know, prior kind of rough framework for racing, like two marathons a year. Um, I had a 50 K road PR to kick off the year. So I had run three nineteen um, on the road. So that was a, a great way to start the year. And I had, a my other performance that it didn't, I don't know if it factored in so much to that ranking, but I won a race outright, which I had never done. That was the Arches 50 mile and also a course record. Um, and I got to do that with a couple of former New York city rock stars, Jenny Donnelly and, and, uh, Matthew Luke Meyer. Um, and that was the coolest, like just running that race. I think we ran together for like, maybe like 30 miles and every race, every long race in sentence felt kind of lonely. Cause I just think back to that. And like, that was so cool. And so special, like in trail running, something that I definitely miss is like that pack mentality, like people string out and, and don't really like seem to want to pack up so much. Um, maybe it's just, you know, my experiences so far, but I love running with people and I don't like, you know, when, and when a race means that I miss out on a run with, people that I know are like, so that was really special. Um, and a great way to start last year. Um, I think that, um, I'm trying to think what else I had in there. 
Um, I ran Lake Sonoma. That was um, a learning experience for sure. Very, very hot. It was postponed from the normal time, which is in April. And um, that was, you know, a hydration fiasco, (laughs) but good experience to have. And just to know that I need to, you know, continue to practice and have so many opportunities to practice. So there's, there's no excuse. It's, you know, every, every um, training run I'm out there, you know, needing to bring my own water. It's not like, it's not so easy to put off the practicing like you can when you road marathon in, in New York, where you just know like, Oh, the water fountains are on in central park. I don't need to bring water. Um, you do. And I just need to, to focus on, you know, refining my strategy and taking that salt, that, uh, sweat test, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But that's how we learn. Right. I mean, we can't have it all just be from, from the winds or for having it go right. I mean, you know, when we get dehydrated or we cramp or we notice our salt potassium's off, that's how we learn. You know, the feedback yeah. comes, yeah. comes from those experiences and getting to share with, uh, with Jenny and Matthew, you know, two people I know from New York city also, um, that had to be amazing and 30 out of 50 and then winning it outright. I mean, huge and course record. So yeah, huge contribution. Um, yeah. and I, I love mo- running in the Slick Rock and Moab. I, I don't think that's necessarily like a popular opinion, but um, I think it's super cool and highly recommend running out there. So <laughs> It's beautiful. Um, back then when I was there, we were just doing mountain biking. It was just a different, different point in my own life. So I did have the opportunity to go there and it's bre- breathtaking, spectacular, like so amazing. Um, and enjoyed it so much with my friends that were out there, but we were just kind of mountain biking and drinking a lot of beer and just hanging out. Um, nothing competitive or running, but I wish I was running back then. I would have gone for some long runs and just like disappeared, but you know, it's so dry out there too. I mean, you know, hydration just becomes like even more of a factor because you don't necessarily feel it sometimes because it's not muggy. Like we're used to back, back home, back East. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No signs. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh God, I have a headache or this or that. So, um, you know, just amazing year, you know, 2021, all kinds of great results, huge accolades, you know, getting the fifth ranked. Um, what are you thinking of like moving forward here? Like what's next, what's next for as far as a big race or like a big goal, you know, that you might have out there that you're thinking of or pointing towards in your training? Yeah. So I, um, like we, I kind of talked about the beginning. I love winter and I've been doing a lot of, um, winter cross training, just having a great winter this year. Um, something that I've picked up is, um, split boarding. So like going uphill with a snowboard that separates into two pieces and then connects back into one. So the ski equivalent is schemo. So it's kind of in that, um, world of, of new things that I just picked up and I'm addicted to. <laughs> um, so doing, getting a lot of vert in, and then I'm, you mentioned mountain biking. I've, I decided that would be a good idea to add to the repertoire as well. And so I started doing that, not obviously right now, but, um, there are many fun things to try here and, and so many, um, people willing to teach, you their their favorite hobbies, which is awesome. But um yeah, the snow is starting to melt here. Some of the trails down in Salt Lake are are more clear. Um I um 
am still kind of like working through the nitty gritty details of the year. I will though for sure be doing the comrades marathon. So that's actually road, but, um, an ultra in South Africa, I have the opportunity to, um, run that race. And so I can't pass that up. It's something that similar to day of K I've been aware of. And obviously since focusing more on ultra have, um, you know, become even more fixated <laughs> on. So I'll do that in August. Um, and then, um, in between now and then I'll, I'll definitely be on the trail and after that as well, but still kind of working, working through those details, but that'll be the big focus of the year for me. What an awesome race to focus on. Um, my friend Gerda Stein has won that. She might even have oh, the wow. course, yeah. she might even have the course yeah. record. I'm sure you probably come across her or yeah. maybe met her in your marathoning journey somewhere in New York, Boston, or anywhere. I have to get her on the show at some point, but, uh, what a, what an epic race. I've never had the chance to do it and was going to do it at some point. I'll, I'll definitely put it in our, is it an uphill or downhill this year? It's a down this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're both brutal. So <laughs> I think yeah. there's, there's no yeah. easy one, but man. You can, if you're going downhill, you're going to get, your quads are going to get destroyed and uphill, you know, come on, man. It's going to be, it's going to be rough either way. But um, so many great runners have tackled that over the years and taken it on. So super, super exciting. Um, I just want to, we got to hit a, just a couple of quick topics um, before we get towards the end here. So I always ask every runner, uh, where the competitive juice, where the fire, where their drive, where do you think it comes from? Because obviously you have it in spades. Yeah, I um, I really think it's like an internal desire just to, you know, test my limits and um, to push myself. I I do love to compete against others, but I think mostly above all competing against myself is what <laughs> motivates me. And my parents are very competitive. So I'm, I am not, you know, surprised, <laughs> you know, that I am as well, or I guess that's a weird way of saying that, but you know what I mean? Um, so, um, it's definitely though, um, a desire to, you know, to push myself. And, and so I think that, um, translates well to the trail and ultra space because yes, it is a race. And, you know, we did talk about that experience at JFK the first year, but you could go for five hours without seeing anyone. Some of these, you know, races that you need to have the internal motivation, um, to see, you know, what you can do. And so, um, yeah, that's been, that's been it for me, I'd say. Good stuff. And what about uh, toughest hole you've ever had to dig out of and how? Um, I think probably the hamstring surgery that I had, and I've you know talked about that on other podcasts. It was um, in late 2016 and um, the longest that I've you know gone without having running or having, you know, the ability to do any type of physical activity. And beyond that, the most reliant I've been on other people since I was like a baby. <laughs> so that was, yeah, like a very transformative experience. And, um, it definitely, you know, uh, changed my perspective on running. And I feel like, you know, I said before that everything since the surgery, it's kind of like the bonus round. And so, 
it's still sometimes, you know, hard for me to believe that I'm able to run pain-free because there were, there was a long time that it didn't seem like that would ever happen. And, um, I'm really glad that, you know, I had the community to motivate me to come back for, um, because that's what it was. And, you know, once I was able to run again, the training came later, but, um, it really, um, changed my, like I said, perspective on, on running in general and, and why I was doing it. So, um, yeah, that was a big hole, but it ended up having a lot of learning experiences. I don't know what the analogy is there <laughs> with the whole, um, but yeah, you know what I mean? I do. I do. And, uh, we're happy you made it back and you're healthy you. and you've grown and, and, uh, found this new, uh, new love and trail trail running. So coaching athlete relationships, um, you have, that's twofold for you. So obviously you have your relationship with Hayden. I'm sure you have many other, uh, people who've had it, a big influence, you know, going back even maybe to your Princeton days, a coach or maybe a mentor or whatever, but also you as a coach. So like either way, um, you know, just talk about that, you know, the, coach-athlete relationship, why it's important, whether it's for your coaching to your athletes now or, you know, someone who's had a, an, an effect on you? Yeah, I think in running, the relationships are so unique, like relative to other sports, just because the act, the ability of the coach to partake in the activity alongside the athlete is not, you know, so common. And you mentioned Hayden. Yes. And, and that's an incredible, um, you know, we have an incredible relationship and I'm so grateful for his support. Um, I think, you know, something that is, has been a newer experience for me is actually coaching in person. Um, something that I was able to start doing in park city, the local high school. Um, and then as, of, as part of a middle school program as well. And, while I was just touching on, you know, my perspective changing post-injury, like sometimes it's easy to, you know, fall into the normal day-to-day slog and forget <laughs> that you are super grateful to be out there and um, running with kids and seeing them experience the sport for the first time. And just like the pure joy and, and carefree nature um, or carefree way in which they approach the sport has been rejuvenating for me and, and helped, you know, me to, um, have, have more fun, I'd say. And, and I hope that I've, you know, helped them too, uh, but, um, it's that, that has been great. And it, it's like, it kind of this unspoken bond, you know, that I feel like I even have with these, these high schoolers who, um, you know, have a love for the same activity. And, and I think that's incredible what, you know, how running can do that. So, um, yeah, I've, I've loved the in-person opportunities here. That's great. It's so fulfilling and grounding. Um, and it's something that you've, you know, people have helped you with, you know, starting way back, you know, even before, you know, college and the Princeton days and all the way through going forward to being a, professional runner at all. So it's great that you're giving back and connecting and, you know, there's, there's just joy and fun, um, that's there. 
um, and you can tap into it and it's going to help you. And anytime we're giving back is always, always a plus thing. So, I mean, that's kind of into coaching and community service where I always kind of leave everything off, but I know also know like mentorship and helping others is something that's important to you as well. Like I know you've done some things with Princeton, right? Um, on the mentorship side. So I definitely consider that community service and it's important. So you can maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, um, since around the time that I've graduated, maybe it was a couple years after I've been the treasurer of the board of the Friends of Princeton Track. And then I also serve on the mentor um, committee. So treasurer role, obviously, this kind of goes without saying like what that is. But um, the mentor committee is another really cool thing that the board does um, that is like in the career sense. So um, there um, are resources that are coordinated through this board that help connect um, alumni um, with current student athletes in similar fields. So um, student athlete expresses interest in um, becoming a doctor. There are alumni who have, you know, submitted their name and, and, you know, profile into this repository of, of mentors um, and they get matched you know, with the student athlete as a mentor mentee. And there are career nights where, you know, we have speakers, alumni speakers come and give guidance on, on postgraduate opportunities and, and how to navigate that world and then how to balance potentially continuing to compete, how to manage um, a summer internship um, before cross-country season in New York City, stuff that, you know, people have experience doing. And I love, you know, that part of it because, obviously it's, you know, super challenging being a student athlete and, um, balancing the academic demands and, um, you know, having athletic goals that might go beyond graduation, but also having career goals as well. So, um, that's, um, that's also a big, you know, piece of, of, you know, my involvement with, um, Princeton. So. Fantastic. Love it that you're giving back and connecting with those, the young uh, generation there and helping them um, with the other people that are involved, uh, you know, from Princeton as well. Um, so we covered a lot of ground and it's been super fun talking to you, getting to know you, um, sharing your story will definitely inspire lots of others. Is there anything important that we didn't touch on or maybe some quick topic that you want to get to before we roll out? Because I certainly want to give you the chance if we missed it. I think just something to, you know, leave the audience with is if anyone has any questions about getting into trail or ultra, I'm you know happy to help in any way possible. If you're ever passing through Utah, I'd love to show you the trails here and then you can pay it forward to someone else. Um, and, you know, we keep, we keep getting people onto the trails. That's, that would make me really happy. <laughs> love it. What a great place to land. So thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's been great chatting with you and uh, look forward to sharing your inspiring story with everybody. And we close every show. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was so much fun. Can't you just hear the joy and gratitude in Sarah's voice talking about running Talking about the mountains, the trails, the community. I mean, she's so big into winter sports anyway. She came up as a competitive ice skater and snowboarding and splitboarding and just being out there in nature. Um, 
it's just something that really connected with her. And uh, I'm just so happy for her that she's out there and enjoying it so much. And um, I loved how she closed the show offering to show the Park City trails to any of the listeners or anybody who um, gets a chance to connect with her on social or follows her on Instagram or, or listens to this podcast. I thought that was super cool of her to, to throw that offer out. Because if you think about it, it's just paying it forward again, right? I mean, that's how she was welcomed into the community. Um, she was a total noob, had no idea what was going on. And she just really has found her footing um, and really uh, found her place you know, in the trail running community. And it just has just had incredible results. I mean, being ranked number five, as basically as a newcomer on the scene, as new as you can possibly be, um, with JFK really being her entree um, into the 50-mile space. She'd done some 50Ks for uh, Team USA, um, but they're very different. Those are generally road runs. Um, so quite a bit of different feel. But super excited to see um, where she takes it next. I think she uh, definitely mentioned she's going to head back to the roads at some point. Um, she'll continue to run for NYAC, her club in New York City, um, and is sponsored by Brooks now. So that's exciting news for her. And uh, just uh, going to be fun to just keep following uh, what she's up to. So uh, hope you all enjoy this one as much as we did. Please take a moment, if you can, to pop on Apple Podcasts, write a quick review, share it on Instagram and stories or on Facebook or wherever else uh, your friends might have an option to uh, connect and take a listen. Appreciate you all who take those extra steps. It really helps me get great guests like Sarah Cummings on the show and make them uh, comfortable coming on here and sharing uh, their inspirational info with all of you. So let's keep uh, taking that step. And as we always say, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out. <laughs>